everyone, and thank you for tuning in into the Savvy Millennial Podcast, a community dedicated to ambitious and successful millennials. And today with us, we have Christy Pratt. She's a founder of Hustle Pretty, which is a platform and an online magazine for resilient women who are putting the pretty back in the grind through their passions, determination, and work ethic. Her magazine displays articles of inspiration and features women out there showing us how it's done. In this episode, we discuss hustle, passion, and perseverance, as well as ghostwriting, copywriting, and what it takes to make it in this competitive industry. And with that, please welcome Christy. Thank you for being here with us. It's exciting to have you here, and I'm excited how passionate you are about your craft. And uh, for people who don't know what you do and how you got involved in it, do you mind telling us more about it? So I had this passion for writing for as long as I can remember. And, you know, back when you're in high school and you're being told, like, what do you want to do next with your life? And you're like, I don't know. Like, (laughs) I don't even know what I had for breakfast. So I followed my calling at the time and I became a kindergarten teacher, which I absolutely love. So for the last seven years, I've actually been a kindergarten teacher. And I also worked like five other jobs at the same time. I was like, you're super insane. Like, what are you doing? You're going to burn out so fast, right? So, you know, I was teaching kindergarten, I was waitressing, I was managing a coffee house, I was tutoring, and then in all my free time, I was writing. And I really dove in deep to the personal development space, and I loved what I was finding. And I think back in the day, when you heard of personal development, it was like, what is that? You know, it was it was kind of like, not lame, but you just didn't understand it. And it was like, for people, you know, that taboo like needed help and like and it just felt uncomfortable but the more I dove into it I was like wow this stuff is really cool put me I'm really in touch with these great women just like yourself and it was this whole community out there that I felt like I had never heard about so the more I started writing my work was found by some online magazines and then you know it got picked up here and there so all of a sudden I was writing for all these platforms my blog was blowing up And then last year, I decided to rebrand to Hustle Pretty Co., which is what I'm at now. And it's an online magazine for ambitious women who are looking to find self-love and resiliency in the hustle. I'm also a millennial girl. That's how I found you. And I was like, I think millennials just get this bad rep sometimes of being like the lazy generation, the entitled generation. I'm like, I think we stand for anything but that. So that's kind of where I'm coming from with my brand. And I love it. Thank you for sharing, I guess, the story and life and everything in your rate. I mean, you've just proven that you were hardly lazy because you work five jobs. Are you still working five jobs? Are you still a kindergarten teacher? Actually, at the start of this pandemic, which is wild enough, um, I was working to transition careers to be a full-time writer. And when everything hit right at the beginning of March, I actually landed an internship and then now I'm full-time to be a copywriter. So I'm able to do that full-time for a women's empowerment company and then work on my own magazine on the side too. So it's really awesome how it all aligned and it's definitely a dream come true. I love it. So then I guess you said you got picked up by a few magazines and you wrote for them specifically, or did you write your own content and they asked to publish it? Correct. Yes. So I would write my own content and then they would ask to publish and then I would be able to come up with topics that would revolve around their brand. And I would just write up articles and then they would publish them that way. So it was fun to see how it was received from a larger audience as well and to receive feedback in that way. Because I think that's one of the best parts about being in community is that someone else's perspective 
will also alter yours. And I think that's the best part of like giving and receiving with work is like when you put it out there, sometimes you're typing and you're like, does anyone even read this stuff? You know, <laughs> and then to like see the response come through is like so rewarding and also like, wow, I never thought of it in that context before or wow, like what a great perspective. And then it starts to rework the juices up here and provoke other ideas. So it's really fun to do writing in that sense. So then what would be your suggestion to people who are just trying to get out there, start writing? I mean, COVID's been tough for everyone. How should they go about this new process if they want to create content for others? And they might be thinking the same way, well, is anybody going to read this? What's your suggestion? I say just start because I think so much and I held myself back from ever hitting the button published for so long because in my head, I was like, what is anyone going to think of this? It's like such a new branch, right? Not all of my friends are like into personal development. So they're like, what is, you know, like, is she, is she crazy? What is she doing now? Like what, you know? So I got in my head about other people's opinions that I was forming. They weren't. And held back my passion because of that. So the second I was just bubbling with so much of like, I need to hit publish, whether this is just for my journey or anyone sees it. And the second I did, I just felt that empowered moment and all those opinions I thought people were going to have, they were actually nothing but supportive. So it just felt so good and so aligned. So I say too, like whatever's on your heart, like you can't go wrong with putting it out there. So they always say wherever there's heartbreak, there's also passion. And that's where you want to like do your most work. So whatever you're feeling into, like just write it and then send it out there because that's how people connect. And I mean, we have different varying degrees of pain points, but we can all connect to similar threads of certain emotions. So when you're vulnerable and transparent in writing, it can help others get through what they're going through also. The crazy misconception is if you are writing about personal development, do you have to get any kind of qualifications, certifications, any certificates uh, telling you that you're able to do it? <laughs> you know, despite popular belief and not to knock down education, absolutely. If you feel called to, I think having education around would be great. And it's something I, I hope to pursue later, but it doesn't have to be your starting point. It doesn't have to be there to start. So start and then it can be like polishing the diamond, you know, like start, it's rough, it's awkward, just like a diamond is, right? And then under pressure, you can polish that and then you can tweak it as you go. It's always evolving just like we are as people. That's how I always view my writing. I'm like, it's, it's my closest companion. It's growing like right alongside me. Like I look back at some of my first pieces and I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like it's just come so far, but it's also fun to look back and be like, wow, it has come that far. Or like sometimes I look back and I like can relate to it all of a sudden, like three years later. And I'm like, oh, wow, like it still relates and it still has its values. So no, you don't need all the, the status factors to get started. Just dive right in. I like it. So then in terms of you writing, have you been writing forever since you were, you know, having all the jobs and then writing a little bit? Was there a practice? Was there a routine? Or one day you just said to pick up a pen and you're like, now this is what I'm starting to do literally the last one. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. And I didn't know where it would lead. I didn't start with the intention that I wanted to shift careers. I started with like, this is how I feel. And this is what I feel called to do right now. And it was fun to me. And 
I was so big on like, everyone's like, Oh, like, how are you scheduling out your content? And I'm like, I'm not like typical writer's brain. Like I'd wake up in the middle of the night and like write on post-its like, Oh, this idea would come to me or sometimes like driving an idea would come to me or in a shower. And it's like, I'd always just write when I felt called, it was something to do. Like there'd be days I could write for hours. And then there's days where I didn't feel into it. You know, I can't force content just to put it out there. Like my content has to come from a place of vulnerability to be relatable. So I was very big into feeling into my emotions and when it was right for me to write. I like it. So then in terms of SEO and obviously, you know, search engine optimization, trying to get your words out there, have you done anything to promote your blogs to make sure that they get picked up by big publications and to get out there? Or what was your process on the technical side? So the funny part about that is like, I didn't do any of that. What I did was I had a desire and I stopped telling myself that I wasn't good enough because I felt like so small fish in the field, but it turns out like all the quote big fish are just like you and they actually more likely than not want to help you. So I started following people I absolutely admired. I made my presence known and I would slide into DMs of people I admired and said, you know, like, I really respect your work. I absolutely love it. Would you mind checking out this piece or how can I work with you? How can we collaborate? And more often than not, they'd respond back and be more than happy to share my work. In my head, I would always tell myself like, your work's not good enough. Like you're so small, like your audience is small in comparison. They're not going to waste their time. They're busy. And that's never the case. So for anyone out there, like, don't feel shy about reaching out to those who you feel like are where you want to be because they were once where you are. So they want to help and they want to be there. And that's kind of the whole message of women's empowerment in general. So that's exciting. So then in terms of the topics that you write about, let's dive into that. How do you find, you know, something that's really resonates with you? Is it an inspiration? I mean, you mentioned that you write whenever you feel like it, whenever you feel that, you know, something needs to get discussed. But do you prepare? Do you research? Do you do things in advance to make sure you're up on the trends that are happening, on the issues that are happening, and you write about them? For sure. Yeah, there's definitely an element of that. And I think being very versed in what you're taking in as far as content and being very diverse in what you're digesting. The struggle with that is like you don't want as a writer to take in content and then subconsciously kind of take it on and then start writing in a similar voice. So you do still want to respect that boundary of not taking in so much where your own voice alters to someone else's, if that makes sense. What you want to do is definitely take in a variety of voices to be able to formulate your own opinions in your own voice in that way. There is a fair amount of research that goes into it as far as like what you typically would digest in your genre of, or or your niche of writing. For me, it was women's empowerment, self-love, personal development. But for anyone listening who's writing niche isn't something different, definitely take in enough content where you get a very large range and then you can like formulate your own unique voice. And that's how you start to stand out. Because if you're just subconsciously mimicking what's already out there, no one's going to really find it. And it's not going to set itself apart. That is actually a very important message. And you're absolutely right. Because if you're just rewriting the things already been said without your own perspective, usually it doesn't work, apparently. Right. (laughs) Typically not. And it's like one of those quotes, like, 
you know, you see them like post it a thousand times and you're like, it was cool at first. And you're like, oh, I'm all bad. But now you're like, oh, I already saw so-and-so post that. Someone else posted, someone else shared it. It's like this old worn out quote. But if you put like a unique spin on it, all of a sudden it's this new content. And it's like, you don't have to do much to put a new spin on it, but you have to have enough knowledge of what's out there to know what to not also copy and to not also, you know, to take enough uniqueness. So there is a fair amount of research and a fair amount of adjusting your research and making sure you're not spending too much time in that zone because you want your voice to boom. That's for sure. I like it. So then now that... We've been into COVID for six, seven months, and we don't know when this is going to end. What are you doing with your current craft? What are the next opportunities you're seeing in the space? And what's next? Right now is such a challenging time, and it's so uncertain. And there's two ways to look at it. It's either this is so uncertain, this is such a disruption to how my life was, Or you can look at it like, what are the opportunities I can do now? And I think the online digital space is obviously where everyone's at right now. So especially if you're a writer, this is the time, you know, this is the time to get out there. If you're, you're thinking of launching a podcast, it's the time. Like everyone's online right now. So just finding out how to pivot and to be able to come on to the online space and make a presence, I think right now is definitely a key even to just adjust life as it was, like find the pieces that you were kind of just comfortable in, but didn't love and tweak it. How can I be more passionate about it? Right. So I think it was definitely a moment of reflection for everybody. And I have a whole theory about that too, but I'll save it. (laughs) What's the theory? Just out of curiosity. (laughs) So obviously my brand is all about the hustle, right? I feel like in society, hustle gets a bad rep. Hustle's a distraction. Hustle's like a numbing mechanism. Hustle's all about being busy and, you know, what's great about that. And in my opinion, like my whole point of my brand is like, there's so many versions of hustle and you wake up every morning and get out of bed for some purpose. And whatever that driving purpose is, your gateway to get there is by hustling. So whether your hustle is about, you know, in corporate, it's entrepreneurship, it's a side hustle, it's motherhood, it's self-love. You literally hustle a hundred percent of your day to feel fulfilled. So when you put hustle internally, right? So you're like, okay, my purpose is what I'm driving for. My passion is why I'm getting out of bed. My hustle is the in-between. And if you're associating the hustle with an out, like an external factor, that's when the hustle, it's, it's your relationship to it that can be toxic and that quote bad, or it can be really fulfilling. So I think during COVID, what everyone learned is, you know, when everything came to this pause, most people were like, what do I do? But if the hustle was internal, you still got your passion. You still got your purpose. You can still hustle. You can still make this work. It was kind of this reflective piece of like, what have I been hustling so hard for? And I definitely, having worked all those jobs, there was times where, you know, when I first started doing that was because, you know, I didn't want to address certain things in my personal life. So hustling was that numbing cream, right? So I'm like, yeah, I don't have to deal with it. And it felt good because I'm achieving and what I was seeking out was stability and independence. And I was receiving that from my career. And now I was like, when I started to like heal my personal life and find more self-love and find more purpose, I was, I didn't need that validation anymore from my career. I was like, I have that inside now. So it's just kind of shifting the focus and, and putting more work in yourself. And that's a hustle. And then being able to put it out in the world. 
that's my long rant about that. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. You know what? I think mindset is very important. Whatever you do, wherever you go, mindset is key, right? You either can focus on the negative aspects of something or you can be grateful for all the positivity that something brings to you. The same with COVID, right? For a lot of people and for many of us, it's been challenging, but focusing on the little opportunities like spending more time on your craft, being able to focus on the things that really matter, whether it's family, whether it's self-care, whether it's spending more time with your loved ones. And I think you're absolutely right. Hustle should be internal because you should have that fire under your pants, getting up every morning, trying to do something and go out there. I truly believe that home should be in the right place. A lot of people build home externally and they try to fill the void with things and people and collect things. But home is where your heart is and you always take it with you. So if you know what that is, what that is inside you, you can take it anywhere and be comfortable. So you're absolutely correct. And I truly, truly believe into it. And I think you're doing everything right. Absolutely. <laughs> it took a while to get here. And, you know, the best part's always an evolving process too. But the further along you, you go, you realize, man, you are your own ride or die. Like you've got this. And like, you get a lot less affected by the external factors when you can really just lock it in, in the inside. Cause you know, you're like, I know I got this. I've, I've survived all my worst days, you know, being your own biggest cheerleader. It's that's what it's all about. So walk us through being a copywriter. What is it? Like what kind of craft is, cause I know nothing about it. Copywriting is basically, you don't write for someone else. You take someone else's voice and what their content and you recreate and repurpose to create more content, if that makes sense. So it's basically like you're copying previous writing pieces to make more content. It's for every like new step, you can kind of take on the similar stories and repurpose them to create new assets. And you're doing it for a brand or another platform, correct? Correct, yeah. So then who owns the content at the end? Is it you or is it them? It's the brand owns it, yeah. Okay, and so you can potentially let other people know that you've written the content, but if they don't want you to, to tell anyone, you wouldn't be able to say things. Correct, yeah. It is a job title, so it, it is researchable. Like you would know if, you know what someone's doing if they're a labeled copywriter. It is definitely done in the notion of it's not my original ideas. I'm writing someone else's ideas is probably the better way to explain it. So it's it's not something you're, as a copywriter, you're creating, you're writing it. That's why it's important if you are a copywriter to work somewhere that you're very in line with the vision because it's hard to take on a voice that is very different from your own or ideas that are very different from your own. So when you're, when you're already in the vibe, it's a lot easier to let it flow. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. I like it. So then how many brands can you do this job for? Because I, I assume it would get really difficult if you have, as you said, multiple voices that you have to represent. And at one point, you just want to mesh them together and create content that is similar. Totally. The company I work for is okay if we do our own kind of things on the side or work for multiple. I choose to just work for the one I'm very happy with the company I'm working for. And I agree with you in that sense too. It's not really advised that copywriters write for a ton of different branches because then you start to get your voices mixed up and you don't want that. You want to really just dial in the voice to be able to be the voice in the best way you can. So yeah, I'm sticking to just the one and then my own brand, of course. 
I understand. And so does copywriting equal ghostwriting or are those two different things? Those are two different things. So ghostwriting is like how you said, like, so you are writing someone else's voice and someone else's ideas, but you would not disclose that you've done that for them in any sense of the word. So I was offering a service it's temporarily on pause right now, but I was offering a service called Ghost Girl. My intention behind that was to help others get their voice heard and not everyone feels comfortable writing and not everyone has gone through experiences they feel comfortable enough writing about. So my purpose was that I didn't want someone to feel like they couldn't get their story out in the world because of the heaviness of the pen. If the situation was such, they've overcome it, but it's just traumatic to rewrite or to relive through writing and to be able to take on someone else's story and write it is just really powerful because they're able to then share it with their audience. But in ghostwriting, there would be no credit or no understanding that that person has done that. So it's kind of like an under the table service, whereas copywriting, everyone knows you're a copywriter and that's a designated title. But ghostwriter is definitely different in that way. Now, as a ghostwriter, would you be able to write books or do you write books? And how does the process work? I mean, when it's not on pause? I personally don't take on book projects, but there are ghostwriters who do. That is definitely a thing you could do. I take on like small blog pieces, small content creation, bios, things like that, just to help people rework. But it's certainly something that can be done, which is pretty awesome to think about. I mean, it's kind of cool, but then you also think about it and you, you know, if you create a book or a piece as a ghostwriter and you can never tell people that you wrote it, don't you feel that you would kind of feel a little bit sad because if it's something great and it just everywhere online and everybody's talking about it and you wrote it, you kind of want to have that sense of ownership. Like what would be the thought process while you give it away? No, that's a really great point. And I think that's something that you would have to be dialed into as a ghostwriter is, am I okay with that? And you have to understand that, you know, that sometimes that's going to happen. And you have to like really get real with your ego. Like, I know I'm a high achiever and I would love, love, love to be able to say I did it. So that's why I stick to very minimal pieces for people. And I'm really targeted on who I take on as clients when I was doing that. But to write a book is such a process. Oh my goodness. So I'm like to be able to go through that laboring work and then not really get the credit of the fruit. I, that must be super challenging and Book projects aren't for me because I that would be like a full-time gig. But <laughs> yeah, I give them a lot of credit in the sense that some people do that and that's their job. You're right. Like I was I was always fascinated with the ghostwriters because a couple of my friends use them for their personal books that they've written. And I mean, content still comes from the person and the ghostwriter creates the book, they package it, they edit it. But it just sounds so complicated and the process is very convoluted. There's a lot of steps. So they do spend a lot of time. And at the end of it, it's still not your work. It's the person whose story you just told, it's theirs. And I would personally not be able to do that. That's yeah. just my <laughs> my personal thing. Um, yeah, I would I would want my name plastered all over that thing. So not for me. For companies, I guess, if they are looking for a ghostwriter or if they're looking for a copywriter, what should be their steps and what should they look for? Like what separates good copywriters from the great ones, in your opinion? The ability to dial in the voice. Like I was saying earlier, if I had to write about birds, like I would not be very successful. And I think that's where it comes to like getting very truthful and honest with yourself 
as the employee and the company as an employer of, is this person able to dial in our voice in a manner that's serving both of us? Because if you're not passionate about what you're writing about, the work's going to really reflect that. And obviously the company is thriving off a certain genre. I mean, the content, some of the most important pieces, right? We're seeing labels everywhere. We see you know, sales ads, we, we're, we're taking it in every day. So words are very powerful and it's in the way that they're structured that make a reader want to buy in and want to, you know, hit subscribe or hit pay now, you know? So it's, it's that driving force. And if you're not feeling it, the reader's certainly not going to feel it either. So I think it's definitely finding your target market and finding, you know, exactly what you feel confident writing about enough to take on a voice and being able to take on unique angles. And I think that comes from your confidence level in the topic. So if it's something you're not even comfortable or confident writing about, it's going to reflect that right off the bat, and it's just going to fall flat. And I think that's when you're going to get yourself into the habit of copying what's already out there and not really standing apart because you don't have the driving like under oomph of like, let's take this in a new direction or let's get like the opinion wouldn't be there if that kind of makes sense. But the biggest distinguisher is like, is this something I even want to write about? And if it's not, then you got to kind of check up the loss and find something that is. No, totally. It totally makes sense. Now, I guess the interesting part would be, first of all, how long does it take you to write a piece? If somebody asks you to write an article, like how does it work? Is it very mechanical where they tell you how many words they expect? What's the price? What's the timeline? Or how does it work? Some platforms I wrote for did have like a word limit. As the writer, I didn't pay attention to that until the end. So it's easier for me to write unfiltered and raw and then go back and adjust how I need to. So if I was writing for someone that said it can only be so many words, I'd worry about that at the end because it's always easier to scale back. Like I can't work under too much system and too much structure in my writing because then it loses the uniqueness and it loses the the power. It's like when you're writing and, you know, when you went to school and, you know, everyone's, it's like black and white. There's no gray, you know, it's like step by step by step and everyone's doing the same thing and it's blah, blah, blah. And it's boring. Or it's like, you get this like creative writing, you know, you can like really mess around with it. Like another analogy is like, you're painting by numbers. Everyone looks the same. But if you're free painting, everyone's going to look different. And that's so always write unfiltered. And then if it is something that's structured, go back and edit from there. That way it's like you can still capture the pieces. And any writer is going to know this, but sometimes you're typing, you're like, oh yeah, that was good. (laughs) And it'll just like flow out of you. But if I was so hyper-focused on, oh my gosh, it can only be 500 words, I wouldn't have probably even have gotten to that. I would have just cut it short. So always write unfiltered, always write really raw, and then go back and structure how you need to. And then how long does it take you to write, let's say, a regular blog post? On average, probably not even an hour. If the idea is really there and the passion's there, it wouldn't even take me an hour. The editing's probably what takes the longest because you want to be, but to write it, it goes pretty fast. But again, you have to be in the mood. You have to be passionate about it. You got to have the ideas there and then it just flows. But Writing on demand sometimes, that's the part where, ooh. (laughs) That's where you're going to, you have to get into it because if it's a business and people expect (laughs) you to do it, right? You got to sometimes be on demand. So how do you deal with that? I deal with that by, like I was saying, so your best ideas will come to you at the most inconvenient times. Any writer out there is like nodding their head right now, like, reach, because you're like, oh, I could sit here 
for 10 hours and not have a thought. And then I try to go to bed and all my thoughts are coming, you know? So it's during those times, I try to write everything down on my Voxer channel, I'll Vox myself ideas. So I can like hear my emotion behind it too, or hear my thought, or sometimes something will strike me if I'm just flowing through Instagram and I see a quote, it'll spark this whole, you know, plot line for me. So during those moments, I, I start my own notes thread, my own Voxer thread. And I go back to those so that in moments where I'm really struggling to come up with ideas or angles, I can look back and kind of get re-inspired by where I was then, if that makes sense. So, because sometimes all the ideas will come in a matter of five minutes, but I don't have the time to sit down and write, you know, I can't tap into it just then. So to be able to reference back and be like, oh yeah, I remember how I was feeling. It kind of revives it. So that's my biggest hack on getting around being uninspired or being like, writer's block galore. I like the idea of recording yourself because you're right. You can listen to your emotion. Uh, you can listen to how you're speaking about the idea. You can add more things. It's much easier than writing notes sometimes. So I agree with you on that. And then I guess the next question would be with your publishers or brands that you're working with, then they give you more of a timeline versus, hey, we expect this in 24 hours. Yeah. So a lot of the platforms I was writing for, they were very flexible as a contributing writer. They would just be like, Hey, can you get me two articles a week? Like I didn't have anyone that was super rigid. They were all platforms that were very much aligned and they were like, whatever you can give me it like two articles a week would be great. Whatever works for you. And then we would come up with guidelines. I was never really contributing to any platform that it felt like too structured. And I think that any really powerful platform with contributing writers wouldn't ask you to be on point like that because the whole point of having a contributing writer is to get more voice and diversity. In my opinion, they wouldn't want to filter that too narrow because then you're going to get kind of the same voice and the same opinions. And you want to keep it diverse because that's what keeps it interesting and keeps your audience engaged and, and really resonates with a bigger audience. That totally makes sense. So I guess in terms of reaching out to people and brands, how do you make yourself stand out? Like if I am an aspiring writer and I think my work is good, I wrote a piece or I wrote a couple of pieces and I really want to be either featured or I want to make a partnership with a channel or a blog, how do I stand out? Like you said, you reached out to a bunch of people and you asked them to check out the posts. How was the feedback and what was your secret? You know, I really didn't have the biggest secrets, like the biggest secret sometimes is just showing up and like having the confidence to even ask, because I feel like not a lot of people like really actually show up and ask because it's self doubt and thinking you're not good enough and then just fizzing out. But I, I do say like, I mean, my blog started four years ago, I think four years ago at this point, and it really didn't start gaining traction until like year three. So it's like, you really got to show up and just keep putting it out there, even when you think no one's reading it, because someone is. And even if someone else, it goes back to that, you know, is your hustle for an external factor? Are you doing this just so someone else does read it? Or is there resonation still with inside you? And if there's still passion there, then keep showing up. And I think that will kind of draw anybody in. And, you know, when someone talks to you about something that they're passionate about, like, it's just easy to fall in love with what they're talking about. And it's like easy to like, just be mesmerized by them. 
But when someone's talking about something that you can tell they don't care about, it's like you're checked out immediately. So I think even like these quote, big fish people, when you're pitching and then they like start looking at your stuff, they're like, man, I can tell this girl's really passionate about what she's doing. You know, I think it just kind of, your work speaks for itself in that way. So I guess my biggest tip is to just don't do anything like half passionately. <laughs> like just go all your passion, all you in. All in, you got to show up and you got to be doing it for the right reasons for yourself. Oh, absolutely. So I guess where did the passion come from to write about females, female perspectives? All of your stuff is about that. Where did it come from? Yeah, I get asked this question a lot and I always debate like, should I be a platform that's just geared towards females? And I always say it's because I am one. So my perspective as a female is going to resonate more with female readers, you know, and I was like, I have a lot of great men in my life. I have a lot of great male influencers in my life and it's not even to be excluded. So I'm like, it's not even like that on my platform. I actually have a lot of male readers who like support and reach out in reference to my work, which is pretty cool because their perspective is really interesting with the female perspective as well. So it helps give me new angles. So I guess why I'm so passionate about writing for women is because I know as one, like, different life hacks to get around certain things and like how we feel like as women, we're naturally more caretaking. We're naturally more emotional. We're naturally more certain aspects that definitely seep out into certain situations in a way that it wouldn't for a male. So just using those angles better resonates with female readers. So I guess that's where my passion to hone in there came from. But I mean, other than that, I'm like, I always welcome male readers and the male perspective because I'm like, it gives me great ideas and it just strikes the best conversations too. So, no, totally makes sense. How do you deal with the no? Like, if somebody, if you reach out to someone and they say no, how do you deal with it? Not gonna lie, because we're talking about earlier, like our high achieving selves, I feel like we're similar like that. <laughs> like, we want the credit, you know, and like you kind of send out everything in the hopes of a yes. And if you hear a no, it's like, ouch, it's hard not to take it personally, especially when you are very passionate about your work and you're writing from the heart and from like really strong emotion. It's hard to disassociate yourself as a being with your writing. And that's where I've had like to do a lot of like, ooh, like step back because sometimes I feel like even just constructive criticism can really strike me hard. Because I'm like, man, I really put my whole heart into that piece. I really like was a piece that was like a direct stamp of my heart. Like that's hard to hear a no. But the best way around that is to understand that, you know, it's not a reflection of you personally. And not everyone is going to have the same perspective or the same viewpoint as you. And that's actually a blessing because if everyone did, then you wouldn't even be where you are and you wouldn't even have the opportunity to do what you're doing. So there's going to be people who don't resonate and there's going to be people who are like, no, thanks. Like your work's not for me. And it's like, okay, well, you know, it's not for everybody and you got to understand that and that it's actually a blessing in disguise. And then just find the people that you need. And everyone says like to just kind of vibe with the people that get your work. And I'm like, but also vibe with the people who don't because they're the ones that are going to make you think differently too. A negative way, like don't surround yourself with these people are negative, but surround yourself enough with people who have this different viewpoint that are like, no, this isn't for me. And then tap into that. Be like, why? Like, what's your thought? And then start to understand where they're coming from because that might spark new ideas for you too. 
and might respark too. Like, or you might be like, no, like I'm not on board with that at all. And then that restrikes your passion. So either way, it's kind of a win-win when you hear a no, because it either makes you more passionate or gives you new ideas. So that's kind of how I've tried to navigate around that. You're absolutely right. It sparks your creativity. It opens worldviews. You know, there's things that we know, things that we know we don't know, and things that we don't know we don't know. And you're absolutely right. The more people you talk to when you hear their opinions, sometimes it's an opinion that doesn't matter. And sometimes maybe you should listen to it. I like this whole idea of being aloof like a poodle and taking what I want and leaving what I don't want. Gives you an opportunity to choose what you want to keep. You got to tap into your intuition. You know, I saw this meme. I was like, you you catch one bad vibe and I'm out. And I'm like, that's kind of where it is. You know, if you catch a bad vibe, be done. But like, be open. So you don't have to like be harsh. You can just be open to it and then just know what's best serving you and what isn't. I like it. So you also mentioned constructive criticism. And I mean, it comes with improvement and growth. So for you, what does the process look like? How to make sure that your pieces are always better than the previous ones? And what would be your suggested recipe for growth? I'm always open to growth because I know that's where your future self is, you know, like your purpose, your goal, your aspirations all come in the future and you're not going to get there by staying where you are in the present. So I think it's like, if you think about it and like, I have to keep growing and I need, and how am I going to do that? And I think the times I've ever grown the most is through challenge, you know, going through challenge almost like alone. So like you have to receive the hits and like take it on and then just see how you can grow through that. And it's going to open up a whole new world of perspective for you. But I think it's like when, like when you start depending on, everyone else to take those hits for you or like starting to like scapegoat them by like making it someone else's problem and not really taking on the ownership and responsibility, then you lose all the growth in it. So then my biggest advice is to just kind of like go for the challenge, welcome it, could suck while you're in it. And then you come out the other side and 99% of the time you look back and you're like, wow, I'm, I'm actually really appreciative of that. Like in the, at the moment you're probably like, man, this is terrible. (laughs) But like you look back and you're like, wow, if it weren't for that, I wouldn't even have thought to come this far. Or I wouldn't even have thought to take this leap or gone this next step and move up a level. So yeah, embrace the challenges. That's where all the gold is. So, And that's what you previously said, you know, be your biggest cheerleader, but you also have to make sure you get out there and challenge yourself to make sure that you always grow and it's going to be uncomfortable, but you just got to get through it. It's going to be fine. Yeah. My biggest thing these days, I'm like, everything's done with grace and poise. Grace and poise is my mantra, my go-to when things are really tough. Cause I'm like, when you have grace and poise, like you just are so level-headed. You can handle things just so much better when you're poised and you're graceful and how you communicate and how you handle things. And that's how you just take it on. Because if you're like rash and reckless and, you know, you can all, and you can have those feelings, but like surface level, you're grace and poised. And then you take care of it behind the scenes and then you figure it out. And like, that's just how you're going to grow your best. I like it. So how do you deal with your worst days? Like imagine the day when things are just not going well. It seems like nobody's reading your stuff. You're even questioning yourself and doubting yourself. Why am I even here? Maybe I should change things and do something else. How do you deal with those days? Asking a friend, like a really trusted friend, 
and talking to them has helped me a lot because sometimes your friends see you in a light that you have a hard time seeing yourself in those moments. Like even if you see your own self-worth and your value in those times that you're questioning it, asking a friend, they see qualities in you that sometimes you just don't even know they see or and to hear it expressed is really validating. And they can really just be like, wow, it's finding ways to empower yourself again when you're in a low vibe. I've also started a folder, like I collected a folder online of really great reviews, really great feedback I've ever received, shout outs like social media shout outs or someone commenting on a piece of mine or something. I have a folder of all of those. So when I'm in that state, I go in there and I relook at them. And I'm like, no, like your work is helping other people. It's inspiring other people. You're passionate about this. You've got this. Like, this doesn't define you. This is a blimp in time. And like, you're going to overcome it. But to like re-see it and re-get fired up by like the feedback is pretty powerful in itself. So that's usually what I do. I like the suggestion of, you know, just keep your, I mean, obviously the, the trusted friend, but then also keep a folder of the good stuff you've done. Look back, make sure this is not just time wasted. You're doing a great work and just keep going. I, I really like it. It's definitely helped. And to have it all in one space is just so powerful because yeah, there's definitely those days where you start going, oh my gosh, what am I doing? <laughs> Is this even working? Is it worth it? And then you're like, what am I even thinking? This is 100% where I'm supposed to be. And like, let's keep going. So it does help to get right back on track when you feel like you're falling off. Where do you find your inspiration or the people, who are the people that you follow and the content that you consume to get your juices flowing, so to speak? Yeah, um, really good question. I pretty much have read any personal development book out there written by any female and male actually for that purpose. So definitely digesting that on Instagram, you're going to find tons of people in the field. So that's kind of where I've been just kind of tapping around to different blogs, different Instagram accounts, different podcasts. And then usually those people will reference more people. So it kind of like expands in that way. So just kind of immersing yourself in that. My own personal inspiration, like I think everyone has different things that like inspire you on a soul level that isn't necessarily like anything concrete. But like for me, it's like going for a long drive. It'll be like any big windows, like sitting near sunlight. Sometimes night skies are super inspiring to me. Um, there's certain times of days where I'll like certain time frames that I'll get more inspired than others. Like I know afternoon is like not my time. Like it's, it's a busy work time. And then like really late at night or really early in the morning, I'll get like really deep inspiration. Coffee houses, if that's ever a thing again, is super inspiring. That's why your environment is just so important as like any creative specialist, an artist, a writer, a musician, finding an elevated environment that matches your vibe. Because I think that makes a big play in how you're going to show up. Because I know for me, like I like old antique things like that brings out a lot of soul in me. And I know like in antique stores that will even strike like a, a revival in me of like, Oh, really cool idea just came to my mind. But I know that if I was like in a place that wasn't like that or like lacked sunlight, I just be like, oh. like I, I wouldn't feel like the vibes flowing at all. So I think just being able to dial in how you feel your most productive, your most productive times of day and doing those little things in your back pocket to get re-inspired are huge to have. 
That totally makes sense. And hopefully coffee shops are going to be a thing <laughs> one day, one day again. Now, in terms of a book or a resource that you would recommend for people who need to find themselves or maybe rediscover themselves, is there a book that you really liked on the personal development? Ooh, there's a lot of books I really loved. I'll give a few that come to mind immediately. The first book I ever read that got me into the personal development world was Alexis Jones, her book, I Am That Girl. It was like reading my life story and I really resonated. And that's when I was like, wow, personal development is super cool. Like I didn't think it would be. <laughs> so her book, I Am That Girl was one of my like absolute favorites. Heather Monahan, she has a great book called Confidence Creator. It's also one of my favorites. She's all around, she's just so dynamic, like just mesmerizing. And she's just this fantastic public speaker. Something I so admire because I'm like, I resonate with writing because it's like, you don't have to speak. <laughs> but like her, like she's just got it all. And I just think she has like the best stuff. Um, so definitely follow her. Rachel Hollis, I loved her book, Girl, Wash Your Face. That was, that blew up. But even that book was just something about, that one in particular was like so raw and so real. So I always recommend that one too. Those are my tops. <laughs> Thank you. You're awesome. I love it. Um, I bunch of books that you listed, I have not read. So I need to go in and start, start reading them. So thank you for that. What's the 2021 you're hoping to get into? Um, are you going to write your own book? What's the next chapter? You know, I, I had this dream to write my own book before I opened up my own online magazine. It was one of those things where I was really forcing it. Like I took a weekend off to write it and I just like couldn't get anything out of me. And that was like last year around this time actually. So I kind of like grew out of that dream for a hot second, but I almost wonder, and I do think like everything's in its own divine timing. Like I wonder if it's cause like the story's not over yet. Like, you know, like I'm not ready to complete it because it's still going. And like, so I guess to be continued, it's not something that's really burning in me right now, but it doesn't mean it won't be in the future. And I think life experience in general will confirm that or be like, or it's not for you right now. I'm really enjoying helping others get their stories out there. I'm, I'm enjoying writing little pieces that are, you know, inspiring and empowering and all the rest and emotional and deep. And I'm loving where things are right now. So I hope 2021 keeps accelerating in that direction. That is the only way it's going to happen because uh, I think 2020 has been okay. I think we're ready for a better year. I think all of us are ready. It served its purpose, but now we're, we're ready to move on. And in all the best ways too, right? In all the best ways. So take the emotions, take the lessons, take the challenges and do exactly like we've been talking about and grow in and make it your most empowered, best self ever and step out of quarantine like, yeah, I got this. And then that's what 2021 is going to be about. On that note, everyone who's coming on the show, we are asking a millennial is, a millennial should be, and a millennial is not. A millennial is empowered. A millennial should be self-loving. A millennial is not lazy or entitled. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Where do our listeners find you? Where do they connect with you? Where do they learn more? Awesome. I'm on Instagram at my full name. So at Christy, C-H-R-I-S-T-I, and Pratt, P-R-A-T-T-E. Um, you can find me on Facebook at hustlepretty.co and also on Instagram at hustlepretty.co as well. 
Thank you, Christy. You've been fantastic. Um, you're welcome anytime. And I love the, all the stuff that we've been talking about, about personal development, about all the things that matter. If you ever decide to write a book, sign me up. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you know when that happens. Thank you so much for having me on today. I really, it was so much fun. Thank you.